This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. Now, this week, we've got a really exciting announcement, and that is that on the 4th of December, we're going to be releasing the biggest ever clothing collection that we've ever done. The winter range is going to comprise of last year's winter jacket, we brought back in a brand new colour, and added a really warm fleece lining to the inside. We've also got an amazing fisherman's sweater. Alongside that, we've got a selection of t-shirts. They're all going to have a petroglyph-style design. So we're going to have Odin riding Sletnir. We're going to have Thor with his goats. We've got Frey and his boar. We've also got Freya and her cats. So for those that like things a little bit more simple, we're going to have a couple of t-shirts. They're going to have a petroglyph-style version of our logo on there. We've also got a selection of hats and scarves. So whatever you do, just check out the website on the 4th of December and you're going to see some amazing new products. And don't forget, the listeners of the podcast get an extra 10% off anything store-wide with the code HORNS10. So that's the code HORNS10, which will get you 10% off everything store-wide, including the new range. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everyone. This time we have a very special guest. We have Aina Selvig, the frontman of Wardruna. Recently, you've come uh, out with uh, music for the new video game Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and you have uh, also a new album coming out soon. So, Aina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much for, I imagine, taking the time of a very busy schedule at the minute with Assassin's Creed just kind of been released. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, um, yeah, hectic times, but that's uh, kind of, I'm, uh, I would say I'm uh, chronically busy. So, uh, <laughs> but that's a, that's a luxurious problem in, in, uh, in this kind of uh, work, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, especially at the moment with with live shows not being being allowed, I guess it's it, it's really nice to be in a position where you are so busy. Yeah, of course. It's uh, yeah. Thankfully, it's it's not only the, the live part is only part of what I do. I do a lot of studio work, and and um, yeah, that that part of uh, <laughs> of my work situation has definitely not. Uh, slowed slowed down so is the live stuff more i guess it is work but do you see that as like a break almost if you if you're really busy in a studio is that like a little nice not a holiday but a getaway <laughs> from uh yeah definitely not a holiday it's it's pretty <laughs> hard work and um yeah, I would say it's it's um, equally demanding but in a different way i i, I would say the uh the good thing about doing doing concerts and and uh, workshops and lectures and stuff like that, um, uh, in addition to to studio work, it it both keeps me on my toes, uh, but also it um, I don't know the it, it creates a dynamic, uh, so my my workflow doesn't get stale and um, and that's good for creativity mm-hmm. to have have different. Uh, 
yeah, different um, things you have to have to um, do and jump into and be challenged yeah, by. I guess it's just different experiences as well. Like if you're in a studio looking at the same four walls, I guess it, you're not going to get as much inspiration from being out and about meeting people, doing shows and, and being kind of out in nature as well. No, and uh, no, it's it's definitely, for me, it's a very, those things are very separate uh, because when I'm in, when I do creative work, I, I really, I really need to, to focus on on that i i it's sort of a very um uh, very all consuming process for me um i think uh, that's part of um the creative mind whether or not it's drawing a picture or or uh taking photographs or or um, writing poetry it's 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 um or music, creating music. It's, it's kind of the same feeling uh, and the same need that um, that I'm um, uh, I'm sort of uh, f- fulfilling. So uh, those things can can come spontaneously, and and that's a part of the brain that never sleeps. Uh, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, have to get up and and write down stuff (laughs) especially when i'm in these creative uh, processes it's um yeah like i said it's very very all-consuming for me i I mean i've got to ask so what what do you do to to relax that that to to kind of get away from the music side of thing do you have anything in particular that your go-to place i mean for me like we've spoke before it's kind of doing martial arts getting into that kind of world of of exercise and that kind of releases everything and hopefully i come out a bit more relaxed on the other side yeah i um of course those things are are um um i also used to do a lot of martial arts mm-hmm. uh i don't don't anymore but yeah uh, nature is is a big part of it walking but mm-hmm. but then again walking is kind of my creative uh mm-hmm. my creative that's when i create as well so um I'm I'm a family man, so I have a um, okay. No rest then. Uh, well, it, it's um, it's it's a good uh, good thing for dynamics because mm-hmm. um, uh, that that demands presence and and uh, yeah, not not always um, thinking about work and uh, music yeah. and art. Um, yeah, that can be challenging to to switch off. Uh, but I, I've become better at it, uh, I would say. Yeah, something I, I mean, definitely if you ask my wife, she would say there's something I need to get better at and practice. Um, I, I think I that's, mean, that's the case for, for <laughs> most people who do creative work, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's why I think doing sort of Muay Thai and, and MMA kind of stuff gets you away from it because when you're, when you're in that situation of somebody either kicking or punching you in the head, there's not very much else you can think about. There's no place for me <laughs> thinking about the order that I have to do at home. It's very no, much it's, it's in very, the moment. Yeah, it's in the moment. It's it's very meditative in, in mm-hmm. that sense because you you are absolutely present. 
Yeah. How about like these uh, strange Corona times and lockdowns and everything? Has has that taught you anything in terms of like uh, stepping back from work or you know taking a break? I, I found that with myself. Like I, I like all of a sudden I like, back in the day before all of this stuff happened, I could um, I could just be like writing forever. Basically, sit down in front of a computer, forget about time, and it'll like six, seven hours later, I'd like emerge again and be like, oh, uh, I produced all of this, but hey, my body is suffering and all that stuff. And I've sort of like, at this point, you know, come to learn how to, how to actually take a break and, and like do something else for a while. Has, it, has anything like that happened to you? Uh, uh, well, this period, I, I, um, well, pre pre COVID nineteen, I was kind of in a studio quarantine. Any anyway, finishing <laughs> finishing the the Woodrun album, and I, at the same time uh, working a lot with the soundtrack for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and um, so so that transi- uh, transition didn't really. Um, uh, it, it wasn't really a big transition for me uh, in that sense, and also I, there's been so much work during this this whole period. Um, so um, I wouldn't say the downtime has been like uh, like um, uh, a lot, but it, it's in a different way. It's uh, it can be more difficult to to have the same motivation because. Um, I don't know, with all the uncertainty, um, trying to, in, in the, in my work, I, I have to plan, um, like two years ahead, you know, mm-hmm. the calendar is, um, booking every, all of those things you, you plan way ahead, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the things uh, at least. And, and of course, uh, in this situation, you need to have a plan A, plan B, and a plan C because you don't yeah. know what's, <laughs> how things are going to uh, turn out and when things are going to change and, and uh, some sort of normality is, is um, coming back. So I would say not having this uh, this, um, this certainty of, of things um, ha- has been um, kind of a challenging thing at times, um, because the, the, then there is a different, you, you have to motivate yourself in a different way. So, mm, yeah. So does it look like 2021 will be doubly as busy because everything from this year gets pushed back or is it kind of all going to get rearranged and who and knows? Sort of, <laughs> Who knows? You know, st- we st- I guess you still, we, we still don't know. No, we, we still don't know. And, and, uh, the prognosis are, are very, divided i would say when things are gonna change um so it's it's difficult to say um at this point but um one way or another it's gonna be busy i'm quite (laughs) sure of that we're hoping for the best here i think everybody is really like we just need uh a resolution for all of this and yeah yeah, i mean and there's a there's just a news article that broke yesterday that uh, there's a vaccine coming out soon. They're going to start testing it or, or maybe even start using it, I think, um, at the end of November 
here in the US and everybody's already like, ah. Yeah, um, we, we had that news as well over here. I think they said it was 90% effective. Um, yeah, it's been tested yeah. on, I think, 45,000 people or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm what my thoughts are on it at the minute. So well, that's the thing, but everybody's still like, ah, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, know? let's let's just see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the biggest issue with something like this is not having that end goal in sight. I know over here in the UK, we kind of came out of lockdown. It seemed to like the numbers fell. Everyone was happier. Things started opening back up. Everyone was a bit. And then last, I think on the 2nd of December, we went, then went back into another lockdown. So it's that kind of up and down, which is a little bit confusing. If you, I guess if you had like a goal by, you know, March 2021, it'll all be finished. It's all over. It at least gives you something to to aim yeah. for and look forward to. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll stay stay um, evenly skeptical. So I, mm. I don't get. Um, I'll, I'll hold 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 off on the excitement uh, yeah. for now. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, good, good idea. <laughs> so I mean, let's let's jump into Assassin's Creed. Obviously, that's the the biggest news at the minute that that's just come out. Um, I mean, what's that like working on a on a game? Eh? Is it something? Is that a new experience? Yeah, you haven't done any games before. No, I've uh, I've been asked a few times, uh, mm. but yeah, for, I, I am quite picky on what projects I I, mm-hmm. um, I uh, put my name on or or get involved uh, with uh, on on. It can be many different. It has to fit a timeline. It it, it needs to be a concept that I'm uh, on an artistic. Uh, you know, compromising my art is not something I'm very willing to do. Uh, so so that that part is of course the the most important. It has to be a project that um, yeah that that works uh, and and fits in uh, with the rest of my philosophy and and. Mm-hmm. And, and workload, I guess. Uh, so when when um, the people from Assassin's Creed uh, got in touch a few years ago, um, yeah, we we had some meetings and and yeah, I, I don't know the 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 whole. I got a very good impression by by the people uh, by um, uh, yeah the people from the musical team. They were very ambitious uh, and very um, set on doing things right mm-hmm. um, and uh, were also very open for uh, for feedback they they were really hungry for it in a way um, so that, I mean I imagine that must be always nice to yeah, have people want to learn it you come across so many people in life that it's their way and that's it and you know they don't want to, to hear yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I don't know, and then they they came uh, to Norway, um, and and we we had some like proper proper meetings and and sat down and uh, sort of mapped out a a, a plan, a, a potential plan, uh, which kind of and and our 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 visions for it uh, um, were quite aligned, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I, I'm. <clears throat> I want to. Um, 
I felt that uh, sort of the the uh, the voice of the skulls. Uh, it was time uh, time uh, to um, yeah shed some light on this uh, oral tradition that was um, so much at the at the heart of the of the Norse um, tradition. So uh, giving voice to um, to that part of of the culture was important for me and and is is a very big part of what i've been doing for um for the game as well with um so it, it you can say that um the the core of my work has been on on um on creating skaldic songs um based on either uh, new poetry um that sort of relates to um what's going on in in the different territories uh, but also i use quite a lot of um of uh, existing old norse skaldic poetry and uh, and eddic poetry and then a selection of these uh songs are um, sort of fully produced more in the soundscape that uh, people might know from uh, from my work or our work with uh, Wodruna. So do you get given, uh, do you like see the game as a whole to base the song on? Or do you kind of just get given an idea of what's going on in an area maybe and you have to it, it was work a lot from of, that? It was a lot of work. Um, of course, it, it, it needs to fit. And uh, we did a lot of... Um, a lot of research and, and work into, um, uh, yeah, f- getting into the story of, of each uh, part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I would, uh, yeah, in the beginning I had to, even had to play one of the earlier games uh, quite a lot to, to get into, um, yeah, to, to understand uh, both how, how the game works, um, mm-hmm. uh, but also to see, like, potential angles and and uh ways how how this works so uh, a lo- kind of a uh, a lot of a lot of the songs i i do that that's the stuff you will hear when you go into the the long houses or or mm-hmm. um marketplaces mm, uh, yeah. even in the um, on the ships yeah you, you can um yeah, there there is um, a lot of options, and and um, the songs are in in both Old Norse versions and English versions. And uh, oh, wonderful! So, cool. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really fun fun uh, project and and challenging uh, in a sense also to um, to to find the right balance. It, it's a uh, it's kind of a brutal. Um, musical format because it's um uh, it's so it's like voice and a lyre and it's uh or 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 other instruments it's, it's really stripped down it's really naked it's bone dry so it's mm-hmm. uh unforgiving and uh <laughs> and in that sense uh i i i really have to um um to give praise to the bravery of of the the Ubisoft team as well for um, for wanting that uh, mm-hmm. very primitive uh, expression um, in the heart of the game. 
Yeah, so, I think that's one thing I've always noticed from Assassin's Creed games is they do seem to try their best to make things accurate. And I mean, you're always going to get people who pick up on things and say, this isn't accurate, that's not accurate. But it seems as like a whole, they, you know, they do their best whilst also making it entertaining, which it has to be. Yeah, come on. It's it's uh, it, it's a video game. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it, it's... Um, they do a lot. Uh, a lot of it is, is uh, I would say, quite quite accurate, and and it's uh, it's they they've never said it to be like uh, fully uh, time right or authentic. It's it's the ultimate uh, Viking Age fantasy. That's their own words, you know. So. When that's the premise, um, um, yeah. But you're, it's 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 always a lot of uh, people, especially like uh, in in the Viking reenactment or or pagan mm-hmm. uh, groups or or uh, by scholars. Uh, there's always a, a a shouting choir <laughs> when, these, I mean- when these things uh, go. go um, are, are launched like in this period uh, as well. Uh, there's been so much critique from it even before it uh, it was released. You know. Yeah, there's a, there's this guy who was um, critiquing the, the trailer um, back in what when it came out like in April. I can't re- remember. And there's like this this British dude's like, well, that's not a period correct helmet. And that sword is wrong. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was like, okay, come on, man. So, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I, I saw somebody the other day doing just that. And I think um, it was Josh Rude who's been on the podcast. He kind of had a perfect answer to it. And it was just, well, you know, do you want to play an exciting game or do you want to play a game? of 17 hours of somebody farming a field? Yeah. yeah. Like, which which, which, which exactly. do you want? It's not meant to please uh, the history nerds like us, you know. It's meant to entertain the masses, and, and mm. they're doing an amazing job at that. Uh, and when you try the game, it's, it's, it's so beautifully made, and it's so full of... It's packed with opportunities mm. to, to live out this Viking fantasy, or, or, uh, yeah, or even learn shitloads. <laughs> um, that just just whilst we're on that point, I, this is something I wanted to ask anyway. <laughs> is obviously you've now done Assassin's Creed, and you also did some music for for Vikings, the TV show. So you're kind of aware of this the fantasy world versus the the kind of historically accurate side. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your opinion on on that because, like, I think me and Matthias have said it before. We we welcome it because you're welcoming people to the community to this world that wouldn't normally find it. And then from from there, they can then explore and hopefully look at the more historical stuff. But then you, I guess you do get people on the other side. They're like, no, it's wrong. I don't like it. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, 10, 15 years ago, nobody gave a shit about uh, Norse <laughs> history. Uh, most people didn't. And people were complaining that nobody cared and... and uh, uh, and what what this uh, whole wave popular of, of popular cultural different um, outlets uh, that we've seen on on TV and games and that that has opened that door and uh, I would say it 
of course, uh, not everything is uh, entirely correct, but um, but then again, uh, all the people who are interested, uh, they they will find out those things once they start digging in, into the sort of more, um, yeah, wh- whether it's books or podcasts or or the whole thing. It's it, it, it's it's exploded, and I, I would say the the general level of knowledge about our history, um, um, even here in Scandinavia, has. Uh, it, it's grown so immensely uh, yeah. the last ten years after this wave of. Um, so I don't. I don't get this. Um, I don't get the, all all of this complaining. Um, I, I think, of course, there there are downsides with it. There are downsides with everything. But as a whole, I would I would say the the, the effect is mostly positive. Of course, you get more. Um, well. It used to be mostly uh, people uh, in in the dubious um, political um, subcultures that were into runes and and Norse history a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. They were kind of almost the um, the majority. Mm-hmm. That is for sure not the case anymore. Uh, uh, we we are more than them. It's not only the subcultures who are interested in in Norse history anymore. It's uh, it's all sorts of people in all uh, different ages or or ethnicities or um, so. As a whole, I would say uh, that um, I would say that the positives are are so much um, more prominent than the negatives. I have two, two things to add to this. Okay, yep. so, so one thing, you're totally right. Um, what I'm seeing right now is that, that we just recently saw a survey of like uh, countries that Americans have heard of. And my country was like on the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> <heard of them. laughs> and that's definitely because of Viking stuff. You well, know? Can, they point out, can they point it out on a map? So I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but how how many Europeans can point out Wyoming on a map or Colorado? Well, that's no. that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so that's that's one thing, and and that's definitely thanks to all of this stuff that 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 you guys are doing in in the, in the media industry, whether it's music or uh, computer games or movies or you know, whatever. Um, I did after having a, a watched Barbarians. I don't know if you watched that show. Um, no, this new show on Netflix about um, the the, the Teutoburg, um, uh, uh well, destruction of the Roman army, basically the, the legion that was lost there in in the year nine uh, A.D. Now. I was incredibly disappointed with that show. Hmm. Probably also because the storyline just sucks. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you can that, that's always a, a give and take. Sometimes the storyline is great, and then, you know, you're like, okay, I don't care that his armor looks like a lawn chair or something like that. Um, and but, but actually, there's a distinct difference between this show and then, for instance, Vikings as a show. Because Vikings does manage to establish sort of like a, a, a credible um, uh, scenery, even if it 
uh, gets creative with with the ways that people look and and all that stuff. And that's what I've been like, thinking about lately with this, this show, Barbarians. They don't do that. Like it's it, one of the most disappointing things for me watching that show is that these uh, barbarians, these Germanic peoples living in North Central West Germany, they they're depicted so like. Um, the, the, the civilization level or the technology level is so low uh, compared to what it actually was. Vikings, they 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 said it in the beginning of the show. They said it at the level that is like people in the Viking Age. And then they have different explanations for how they figure stuff out, which is like their own creation and, and, and creative writing, and that's cool. Um, but with like barbarians, as I wrote in my um, uh, my scathing review of it on my, <laughs> my website, uh, it basically like the, the houses look like they're built by you know a crew of chimps with the uh, Conan the Barbarian as a foreman. You know, <laughs> yeah, probably adds to that whole kind of defeat in the big guy as well. You know, you've got the Roman Empire, and then so I guess the worst they can make the barbarians look is kind of this rise to victory story almost this underdog yeah no that's definitely part of it yeah yeah no but uh, it's um uh, i guess vikings set out uh right from the beginning they they said we want to kill some of these myths uh we want to uh get past certain stereotypes of course they they added uh perhaps other stereotypes that they they continue to to cultivate, like making them. Well, it, it, they did this like dramaturgical decision to uh, to depict all the Vikings in in black and brown and more dirty than the British that were well dressed and in colorful clothes. And I would say the the, the evidence shows. It was actually the opposite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in a way, they, 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 they were probably the, the cleanest, most vain people in, <laughs> in Europe at the time. So, But th- th- of course, that, that wouldn't go well with the popular notion of the time. So, uh, so I, I guess that uh, at, um, it, it had to be sort of a give and take. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's always the case, right? I mean, you... you you make this stuff to entertain, not yeah. not necessarily to educate. Um, and you know, I, I think it, also it's it's made for the masses as well. Yeah. It's not made for necessarily people like like us who you know know a little bit about it. They've got a, I guess, the average Joe sees the Vikings as as kind of like these big, strong, powerful people who do what they want. The war, the warriors, they they come, they take, they rape, pillage. And that's the the average person's idea. So if you just suddenly show these these farmers, you know, very clean, pruning themselves, yeah. the average person kind of go, "What? Hang on a minute, that's not that's Absolutely. not what I think." No, I, yeah, you're totally right uh, in in one sense, but in, in another sense, it, an argument that I keep making and nobody seems to be listening. I guess <laughs> is that um, <laughs> We have so much awesome stuff that we've dug out of the ground in all kinds of places in Scandinavia. Just think about the Vendel helmets from Sweden, right? With the raven stuff on them and and I don't know what. Um, uh, Think about the Susan Hu helmets. Like why, why has nobody thought of like dressing any of these Vikings up in that? 
And instead, they go with uh, something that makes them look a little more like they came just straight out of Mad Max. And it's like, come <laughs> on, guys! Like we we could have we could have done this better. Do you think that's down to knowledge? Do you down to like the knowledge of the person writing it or the the team? Or do you think it? Yeah, you have to remember that yeah. uh, in in a production like that there is there's uh, so many people uh, having opinions um mm. about all of these things they like for, for instance vikings had um it looked uh, several things look quite different in a script than it did once it got to screen uh, to the screen because mm-hmm. you have all of these um these processes it has to go through and and also when it comes down to it um you have different uh, directors working on on each bulk of the uh, of, of of the um, each season, like the, the bulk of episodes each um, in in many of these series, and and uh, so it also comes down to that particular director uh, yeah. if they are if they agree with the, the vision, if they care about. Uh, or know anything about, or are interested in portraying it time right, or, or mm-hmm. being authentic, or if they just want to wrap it in in the the more Hollywoodish uh, stereotypes, and and you can personally, I would say you can see a distinct difference um, uh, when um, when you see who who directed uh, the different uh, episodes as well. Yeah, I would also say, like, you know what, it's very easy to sit here as an amateur and be all smart about this and, and like, you know, criticize every little detail you can find. And just yeah. like academia, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to, you have to, it's, it's a whole different premise. Uh, you And there are so many other things, uh, people who create uh, such a huge production needs to think about everything from economy to to practical stuff to uh yeah the, the list is so uh so long and and um having been into well being first hand witnessing those processes um both both in vikings and and uh now you uh, assassins creed um i i have to admit that sometimes when I see various critiques of it, I, I, I just shake my head and, and say that you don't know what you're talking about and, and you, you, you're, you're, di- you're discussing this on the wrong premise. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of moving parts, you know, a lot of cogs that you've got to yeah, kind of you, fit, fit yeah, together and it doesn't, you, not everything works all the time. Yeah, you need to make decisions. Sometimes those are... Um, pretty brutal and and uh sometimes they they will tip you to to <laughs> one side and the other times it will go to the other side um, mm-hmm. i mean i'm curious to ask have you ever had kind of a director or somebody in a position where they, they want to go a certain route but you kind of want to do the opposite because you know it's what's best for the music and what fits okay. right have you ever kind of had that that button of heads. Obviously, I don't expect you to name any names, but I was just wondering if it's <laughs> something you kind of came across. Yes, I have been very angry uh, <laughs> on, on some uh, some um, some decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I must admit, not not um, 
Not not on Assassin's Creed. Uh, that that whole process has been very uh, very smooth and and um, but uh, there were occasions where I really disagreed with some of the decisions that were were made. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously be- before the show, before the show, I think you said you know you are very much into the into your music and you want to keep things you want to do things right do you want to do things your way so I imagine when you get somebody of your mentality against somebody of the other side who feels like they know best you do get that point of heads where some musicians may just kind of fold a lot easier yeah and and you know it can be um well sometimes uh, when you just know that um a change is totally unnecessary and if you don't make that change, it will actually uh, make it more interesting because it challenges um, or, or not even challenges, but it, it represents something else than the normal stereotype uh, of things. Um, so, yeah, there hasn't been any massive things, but uh, some, yeah, that, there has been some... Um, uh, some times there <laughs> when I've been uh, pretty pissed off. But you know, in in this case, you you have to put aside your. Um, that, that's a thing I, I learned when I came aboard a, a production like that as well. You 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 know, um, it's different than when you create your own album. Then I'm. One hundred percent, the boss, and I'm, uh, I am the cli- I am my own client. But in 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 that, uh, when you work for for a TV show, it's it's the um, they decide basically, mm-hmm. um, and and that's the premise. So, I uh, you just have to chuck it up, swallow it, and and move on. Be professional, um, mm-hmm. uh, not take it personal or or anything like that. Uh, it's just the way it has to be. So that and that's um, yeah, uh, that's a, a, a I would say a healthy lesson as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had similar experiences with the uh, the books that I've written, especially the children's yeah. book. That, that I mean, this was a, a commission job, so it was basically a. Uh, a publisher asking me, would you write this book? They already did an outline and everything. And I thought to myself, hey, this could be fun. So I did it. And it was very much also, you know, a case of negotiating uh, certain content and yeah. especially the visual parts um, with, uh, you know, you, you had a visual designer creating, you know, Odin and Thor and all, all the different gods and all that stuff. And I'm like, like I would really <laughs> like to tweak this in another direction. But then, you know, ultimately, it's a give and take. That's, it that's how it goes, you know. <laughs> I think that's a, a good lesson for life in general, though, mm-hmm. that everything is a give and take. You can't always have it your own way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah you, you have to um, um, balance your ego. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah, unfortunately, not everybody does. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aina, I'm I'm curious to hear about Kriegkraften and what's going on there. What what's the what's the uh, general sentiment behind the album that you are creating here? And uh, tell us all about it. 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's um, um, it kind of well, the, the creative concept is is the same that it's always been. It's about uh, it's about portraying um, uh, well, whatever it is I'm portraying. It's about getting as close to it as, as possible, whether or not whether or not it's about the instruments I choose or the sounds or where I, where, where and when I record it or in what condition or, and that's, that sort of thing that that's the same as, um, I've always, uh, been working with on, uh, with, with Valrhona. And, um, I would say it kind of, uh, follows, uh, continues where, the the trilogy left off um, in the sense that it, it uh, well the trilogy is is basically using the runes to portray uh, the man's relation to to each other to nature and to something that is bigger than yourself whether spiritual or, or philosophical or whatever um, and here I would say on this album I zoom more in um, I go more into details in a way um, discussing uh, d- different concepts um, regarding how we in in, in the uh, Norse animistic tradition how we view um, ourselves or define ourselves um, in, in, in the different um aspects of what defines you as a human being you know it's it's not only um it's not only body and uh, and soul or body and spirit it's uh, you know there there are many many layer other layers to it as well um so the the album um digs into some of these concepts um mm. it's very um uh, outspoken animistic and it kind of promotes uh, an idea that uh, taking um, well uh, th- th- that basically saying that uh, or or promoting the the benefits of us as humans um, getting a more um, getting a more animistic view on the world, you know. I, I think a lot of the problems uh, started uh, the second we we took the sacredness out of nature and and put it up over the clouds or or uh, totally disregarded it. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it, it goes into these things and and goes into uh, old animistic ideas uh, about song hunting um, you know the, these mm-hmm. ideas that we we see very clearly um, s- surviving in both in Sami traditions and also the Karelian song traditions where um, well the idea that everything has a sound everything has a song and uh, so in in terms of folk medi- medicinal uh, purposes or or sorcery or healing um if you want to cure a snake bite for instance you you need to uh, know the snake you need to know the song of the snake um, mm-hmm. that goes also back to these ideas that uh, where it's uh, i think it's one poem saying that if you know the oldest word for iron 
then you know how to make iron. Um, mm-hmm. This idea, the, the creative power of, of words and these old words and, and these old songs that you hunt in nature. And that's kind of a philosophy that I, I philosophy and method I use, um, I've always used myself um, in my work with Vardruna. So, um, when it comes to writing an album like this or any of the albums, do you have like one overall encompassing like idea for it all and then go down different avenues or how yeah, how does that work? I mean, I'm not very musical, so when it comes to writing an album, I would have no idea where to even start. Well, I like I like to work uh, with concepts. Uh, I like to paint uh, um, with a broad strokes in 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 that sense that I, I like to uh, tell a story um, throughout um, more than one song. Uh, there are references even to to the old albums, whether or not it it can be tonalities, it can be certain melodies, but it can be also be words um, or or sentences that sort of um, gets revisited. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess for this Kvitrav, uh, meaning white raven, is um, is something I've. Um, it's an album that I've uh, been wanting to to write for a long time. Um, it's a song uh, I've been wanting to write for a long time, and uh, um, even even though Kvitraven is uh, or is a name that I've used as an artist name myself, it, it's not the album isn't named after me. <laughs> it's 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 more. Um, it's inspired by what inspired me to take that name in the first place. Um, this um, this idea of these um, sacred sacred white uh, animals uh, that you see in in uh, myths uh, and stories and legends all over the planet, whether or not it's white elephants or lions or snakes or or ravens. Um, they, 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 all of these myths seems to correlate on so many things. Um, their, their play, um, role as sort of, um, um, yeah, animals that, um, that, uh, um, represent, um, of, often uh, uh, some sort of rebirth or, or something, uh, something new, um, um, an awakening. Um, they they are seen as um, uh, prophetic. They are seen as um, um, yeah, they, kind of a link between the worlds. Mm-hmm. In a way, they they move um, uh, between the living and the dead. I don't know. There are there are so many things that have uh, fascinated me um, with these animals, and and that's. That's that's a thing I I, um, I wanted to explore musically as well on on this album. So Mateus, just to, to kind of jump in there, do we do we have examples of white animals like that in the mythology and kind of like sagas? Do they pop up at all that you can think of off the top of your head? I wouldn't say old Norse sagas or or Eddic poetry. You don't see these white animals, but you see them quite a bit in in um, 
in folklore in uh, mm-hmm. and and also in folk medicine or sorcery um mm-hmm. there you see yeah. it um i guess also in karelian you you have some myths where uh, with um, white bears um and also i don't know if reindeer, it's right? yeah re- reindeer of course the sami has to have uh Tolrein, um, yeah, the um, the white reindeers that are, yeah, very much. So, so, so is that just a case of the the animals? Probably, I guess, would be an albino animal, and they would just be seen as different. I guess for for when it comes to medicine, of having special properties. I mean, not to take a super dark path here i remember seeing a documentary a few long time ago about how like albino people in some cultures were seen as like a a medicinal thing you had yeah. you, as horrific as it sounds you had pe- people would literally go and like just chop the arm off like an albino man and it was seen to be you know in some way would heal yeah but it, you see uh... <sighs> in in many different aspects of folk medicine uh you you have this uh power in in uh, the otherness or, or mm-hmm. in opposites um mm-hmm. uh, yeah light versus dark but left versus right um where you you um you put your clothes on inside out uh, it, it's it's you know it, it's so many many things where you see um opposites or or otherness being something um sacred or being something you apply to um to um it's it's like a um yeah and and um sort of a power in itself you know that um doing doing things opposite walking backwards going uh, turning against the sun and so mm-hmm. on uh, the, there are countless um uh, ways where this these kinds of things are applied there's there's plenty of these uh, these examples there's there's plenty of like um, you know inversions in, in 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 myth and and folklore all over the place yeah, i don't know why we're actually making a distinction between folklore and myth when it comes down to it no no because no. it's <laughs> I agree. the same <laughs> completely the same uh, uh, t- story traditions and so on. Um, but that's kind of... It, uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, one of the things that is that is incredibly fascinating when it comes to the raven is that it is uh, an animal that, that all the cultures around, uh, in the circumpolar region, like from Scandinavia um, all across the Siberian expanse to North America, um, the raven has such an important role in the mythology everywhere in, in, in that whole area. Um, obviously, I mean, we're from Nordic mythology, we're familiar with the, it's linked to Odin, but also it's, it's linked to, to other aspects of knowledge and, you know, the underworld and so yeah. on. And this is a death. tradition that death, exactly. The messenger. Through. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, sort of yeah, I mean that would make man and 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 gods. Yeah, I would say just that would make sense as to why a white raven would be quite healing and and life almost and pure when a, a raven is very synonymous with with death and and darkness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you, you, there are there are quite a few um, Native American uh, 
myths uh, regarding the White Raven as well. And you have um, even uh, like... But but as you say, also also the regular raven is is such a central uh, piece in so so many cultures, um, and and I don't know if it's its trait, its intelligence, or or it's in many ways it's kind of our I don't know it's kind of has this um, almost human. Uh, as, human nature to it um mm-hmm. being um um uh, m- monogamous and or i don't know <laughs> if that's a human trait <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, many people would argue <laughs> yeah i know many people would but <laughs> in, in any way and there, there are i don't know the the, the raven has a has I mean, a, the- such a special place uh and and also for me personal uh, it um personally it uh, uh, yeah it's it's something i i um um I'm, i feel very much connected to um and, so and there's, there's, and, there's very recently some some research that has come out that uh, on on ravens and their intelligence is basically suggesting that they are you know they have some consciousness going on like they they are very, very conscious creatures yeah um and they're incredibly smart aren't they? they're incredibly smart but they're also you know um i i can't speak too much of the science behind this but 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 that they're present so to speak in the world on similar levels as uh, as humans to an extent i i don't i don't know how, how much but 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 you know they for instance recognize you and recognize uh, if you uh, are, the, are the type of person who has treated them poorly, they will remember that. Uh, if you've treated them nicely, they will remember that. Um, they are perfectly capable of recognizing um, the difference between a gun and a cell phone. Like if you're a person who approaches them with a gun, they're going to get out of there. But uh, if you're holding a cell phone the same way, uh, then, then, then they're like, yeah, that's 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 not a lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so they they seem to be incredibly smart, and I think this is something that you know we as humans have realized, like from from the dawn of time, basically. Yeah, and also uh, like in in uh, in being, um, yeah, well, uh, in in battle, in battles, or or in in regards to death, they they eat the dead so they are sort of carrying carrying away the dead yeah. in a sense um, yeah uh, there are many things and the, on the album I also uh, have a song uh, called Moonin um, that goes into um, well I I've, could have easily just taken uh, the the poetry um, from from Adda the, the myth where where um or the poem where it's uh, well we know um odin and his two ravens that odin is um um yeah he, he sends out uh, hugen and moon in uh, every every morning and um and they return to him with uh, telling him what what whatever they saw and uh, he fears that um 
that uh, Hugin won't return, but he fears even more that Munin won't return. And, and why is that? That's I find that that in, interesting because, um, and it, it, and that goes. Um, so the song basically go, goes more into um, old ideas about memory. Uh, what is memory? Um, and of course, um, thought or hug is nothing without memory. Uh, memory mm-hmm. is, is is the pillar um, of everything we call culture. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of. Um, yeah, so so th- that song dives into into um, yeah the the thoughts behind the myth be- uh, because and that kind of uh, I think it, that's a good uh, picture of um, of how I approach all of these things. Um, I, I, it's not about reciting. Uh, old poetry or uh, copying the past it's more about deciphering it why 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 does it matter uh, how does it apply today what can we learn from it um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's um, so much more sustainable and and interesting and um, I think that's part of why why uh, it resonates with people as well mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's it's a very true thing as well to be fearful of losing memory. I know for for me, it, it I think like that onset, especially with like dementia and things like that, that's like the last thing I would ever want to happen for me. It's very much a big fear to kind of go down that route of forgetting everything because, like you say, your memory is everything you know. It's it's who you are. It's your experiences. It's your loved ones. It's the feelings. It's it is pretty much everything that makes you you. Yeah. So to lose that is very. It's a very scary thought. Yeah. And I, I in in all older ways of defining man, memory or that's definitely one of those ingredients that um, is sort of um, alongside your spirit and uh, your harm or hug or. Filgia and Mini is definitely one of those uh, parts that defines you as um, as a human. It's survival as well, I guess, because if you don't remember, you know how to, to plow the fields, or you know it doesn't get taught to you, then it's it's You know, survival is, is life and death. If you don't remember the way, or remember even just remember like what what plants you can eat, what berries you can pick. It's like, These things were all very much important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's encompassing. It's identity. It's survival. It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Cultural look, memory. That's, yeah. Culture is, uh, or history is, mm-hmm. is sort of a, a memory that's, that you, um, that that uh, a society sort of decides upon. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the irony, the irony behind it all is that the more technologically advanced we become, the less dependent on our memory and the less good our memory is as well. You know, like I think it, it was as soon as we we learned to like to write things with pen and paper, like the 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 quality of the memory just dropped off yeah, yeah. because you didn't have to remember things. So you, you, it's that skill of remembering things. And now, you know, you just, 
Google it. It's just a, such a common thing. If you don't know something, yeah. Google it. So you don't have to remember everything. In, in, in like oral tradition, you could, you can, uh, if we, we have a lot of um, knowledge about uh, the Karelian tradition because when, when that whole song tradition was collected, it's not so long ago in, um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. So just looking at um, the memory of uh, some of these uh, singers, it's, it's just insane. You have, you have singers that uh, had a repertoire of um, maybe two to 500 songs where each song had a couple of hundred verses, you know? Uh, I don't even know two to five hundred words, let alone yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, uh, yeah, and and also describe how they describe um, describe. Um, I don't know uh, when they, they they describe when they go into these songs um, as. Um, um, uh, yeah, in different words, they they open the chest of words, or or they unwind the ball, uh, a ball of yarn. You know, they had visual, mm-hmm. um, visual ways of um, of uh, remembering, and of course, uh, the 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 whole tradition of uh, um, skaldic poetry, uh, also with the. With the metaphor system, the the kennings, uh, it's a brilliant system because they understood that images um, makes it much more easier to remember. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, it complicates it for us because (laughs) we don't know all of these images uh, or codes and and we're not used to thinking that way. But I I would say that... uh, for for them, it was a really important tool for memory. Yeah, and and I mean, this this is actually what I did my research on, <laughs> like uh, oh. the uh, the connection of memory to. Um, well, I, I I was researching, you know, volc- volcanology in in Old Norse Byzantine poetry, um, primarily, and also a couple of narrative uh, prose narratives. Um, and and this this is a, this is exactly what's happening. So you have like um, objects or images that 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 knowledge is attached to, and and what happens next is like a compression. So that that means that once the the poet um, looks at an object, for instance, a raven, right? Then all of a sudden we can unfold that image of the raven in so many different directions, mm-hmm. attach it to so many different uh, important components. One of the most uh, interesting things that I, that I found in my research was uh, the, the eagle is uh, very often uh, connected to um, ash plumes in in like volcanic eruptions, like mm-hmm. on, not not just Iceland but like globally. Um, we find this image involved in in volcanic eruptions in like the Caucasian mountains in North Africa in North America in in Scandinavia um, well in Iceland at least and and it's um, it makes it makes total sense when 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 you start looking into what is the role of of, of an eagle in, uh, in 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 those cultures too. Usually, it's a bird of prey um, that has some kind of like um, good and negative sides to it. It's uh, it's it's um, it's it's considered a very 
yeah, quite often very important and majestic type bird, of course, you know, this from European cultural con- you know, contexts. Um, but on the other hand, it's also a dangerous bird. It's also a bird that heralds uh, uh, destruction. And this is exactly what we see in, in, in Nordic mythology as well. Um, and in the Icelandic co- uh, context, there's, there's so many interesting uh, conflations of birds with uh, with ejecta from volcanoes in Iceland. Like this, this continues um, long after Nordic mythology was like a, a cultural thing in Iceland. So, so in the 1300s, you have descriptions of like birds coming out of uh, of Hekla, uh, the volcano, like um, yeah. along with the you know the eruption. Um, and yeah, no, it's uh, this is this is how how memory works. That that um, and especially like with these kinds of like uh, natural disasters, the problem with natural disasters is that they don't happen that often, right? And, like, uh, the problem <laughs> when it comes to remembering them. Exactly. So, so what do you do instead? Well, uh, in order to remember, oh wait, this is actually something. Uh, that we need to take serious. And then you load them with the most like pregnant, horrifying images that you can find, basically. And voila, that's how you get the, uh, um, in my opinion, the apocalypse stances in, in Virtuspell, the prophecy of the Cirrus, where you have a, um, a, like a, a volcanic sequence yes. of, uh, that, that ends with Surtur, who comes out of the ground with a flaming sword and takes down the sky. Like that's 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 pretty volcanic, guys. <laughs> Indeed. And, and going back to what we were just talking about, like how we're forgetting in this modern age of like information age, like we call it. This is, uh, I think, you know, what we're you know sitting right in right now. This pandemic is an exactly an example of the loss of these kinds of memory stories. So, you know, if we had maintained narratives about the Spanish flu. And other pandemics and uh, other, you know, problematic uh, diseases like polio, um, then we would probably be handling our situation uh, somewhat differently, especially over here in this continent. Um, if you think about it, if we go back to the, uh, we Scandinavians, we know this a lot, I think, uh, stories about the plague. That's something that is is so uh, you know, encompassing. It's everywhere in 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 our narrative traditions. Yeah. We even mix that stuff up with witchcraft as much as we can, because um, that's 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 another way to compound and compress uh, information in in memory. Uh, take all the negative things, like a witch over here, uh, a disease over there, volcanic eruption over there. That's how you get the Black Death in Iceland, um, and and th- this this uh, is a ball that just keeps rolling in order to keep um, the memory of, of whatever disaster happened back in the day. And of course, over time, then, you know, the context disappears. And then we just have some really cool stories that are totally black metal. Um, yeah, yeah. That, 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 there you're spot on. If, if people, uh, you know, I think black metal lyrics, they, they uh, pale in comparison to uh, battle poetry of uh, Ailes. Oh, yeah. like, uh, yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is very beautiful. But, no, but also, I, I think one of the... Uh, one of the reasons why uh, skaldic poetry is... Uh, 
I think it's really interesting because that, those are perhaps the the people you get closest to uh, mm-hmm. in, in like true uh, personal information or or you get a, get a glimpse of uh, a mindset or or personal feelings or or it is it is the people from from the whole saga uh, universe that we we get the closest to um, yeah. on, on so many levels so Aina, just just to ask you kind of to tag on to that when you're on stage do you feel that that very much especially I guess with the live performance that very much kind of link back to the past through this kind of narrative of of how things would have been done through like that scald that scalded poetry um you know uh when it comes to performance there are certain uh rules that uh, are universal and they are timeless you know so there are there are uh, there's a certain um um well there, there are things um as a performer that are just as relevant today as they were uh when when a skaldic poem was first performed you know uh, and and that's of course it's about becoming one with what you're actually doing it's uh, it's about um you know, you you do and cultivate what works when in front of an audience. So, if if a skald uh, did some poetry uh, or did a joke that uh, fell flat on his ass uh, and and uh, totally got booed out of there, uh, he wouldn't have done the same joke the day after. You know, uh, you you do and cultivate what works when in front of an audience that's timeless mm-hmm. uh, and also a thing that's in, very much very important for me is presence be becoming one with what it is i'm expressing um which is pretty scary and and because it it it, it means you become uh, a vessel in a sense of of something um mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that leaves you very vulnerable in a sense. Um, you, you have to serve your heart on a platter to, to people. Um, um, I guess it's a very vulnerable position to yeah, be in. Yeah, it is. So it's, it's very demanding. And I guess one of the reasons why I don't want to overdo it, um, because mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it, yeah, it, of course it gives back, but it's, it's, pretty challenging and, and um, demanding on, on many uh, levels as, as, as a human being. But I, so I don't know if I feel the past um, or the future. I don't know. Something in between. It's, it's presence. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the key. Okay. And, and of course, the songs come from somewhere. The tradition come from somewhere. I would say... In general, I don't believe in positive or negative energy. Energy is energy. What direction it has, that's a different thing. What intention it has, that's defined. Uh, how it's received, that's a, something that is defined by filters or or you or whatever. So at that point, it's just being present and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, being those words and and um, connecting with with the people in the room, um, so um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's 
Um, yeah, no, it, it, it totally makes sense. Um, I guess another thing I just wanted to ask is how, how have you found kind of, I guess, the fame side of things? I assume that when you first started down this path, you didn't expect Wardruna to necessarily get as big as it is no, no. and you to become so recognizable, especially in this community, you are very much kind of like, to, to be fair, you're the very much the pinnacle of, especially when it comes to the musical side of things. So you, you are, you have become a celebrity of sorts. So how does, how have you dealt with that? How have you found that kind of need for your attention away from just the performance? Um, I, I find it very, um, absurd in a, in a way um i'm very determined on um i i don't really relate to it that much uh it's um i don't want to relate to it because um i i i don't think feeding your ego with that kind of thing is is a good thing so i would say i i haven't changed and i don't let it change me um of course it it, uh, it there are practical things that have changed a lot. Uh, like when you're at a festival or a concert, uh, I, I can't, I can't walk around free or if I do it, 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 um, it can take a while, but do you find, I mean, do you find that quite disappointing? No, the, no, the... I, I think it's, um, it's I mean, I don't, I, I... that's just the way culture is. It's, it's, a world of selfies um uh, no just to re- just to rephrase that i didn't mean disappointing having to do that i meant disappointing in the fact that you've kind of lost that ability to walk around anonymous almost like you know if, for me if i was to walk around a festival i'm just a nobody who, who yeah, who's uh, not going to get bothered and i can almost in, enjoy it in its in its way whereas that's kind of been taken away from you yeah, but uh, on the other hand, I, I get to do what I love the most in, in, mm-hmm. in the world. What I what I felt I'm I was made to do, uh, in a sense. So I, I I'm kind of well reflected upon the fact that that every, anything of any value has a cost, and and I'm gladly willing to pay that pay that cost. And you know, it's. Um, um, I really enjoy uh, meeting people or doing meet and greets or, or uh, those kind of things. It doesn't cost that much, uh, you know, and, and I really appreciate the fact that uh, people enjoy my art. Uh, it's such a gift. So uh, mm-hmm. if people find joy in, in, um, in that or um, it's, it's just a cool thing. Um, yeah, no, it's beautiful to hear you hear you say that because I imagine it's so easy to lose yourself in in this unless you make that conscious effort to make sure you stay true to to who you are. I imagine it's very easy to kind of just get whisked away in your own hype when you do get people. Yeah, who some people would go as far to say that they idolize you. That is how some people would describe. So I guess it's hard to not let that you know whisk you up in your own bullshit yeah it's i i just don't relate to to that part of it mm-hmm. i you know that's their thing and um you know i i get so many uh emails and uh and when i meet people they say um very very 
profound things in in mm-hmm. in terms of how the music has uh, been helped to them or or um, got them through sorrow or uh, or the fact that one of my songs is uh, people use it a lot when they lose their their loved ones you know it's um it's very moving uh, and mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to um hard to take it in uh, in a sense but um other than just um um yeah it's it's fantastic uh but it's not me you know it's um that's the thing when you when you create something uh you release it out into the world and it lives its own life out of my control and i guess at the same time you you put your head on 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 the on the block in a sense you you're i'm totally open for for being chopped as well and that's that's um and that part can of course be be tough as well if you allow yourself to to relate to it but i i, I try to be disciplined and and just do my thing that's what i've you know i i've since the very first day with valdruna i i did this for my own sake because i i just have this uh, intense need to do it um mm-hmm. and uh when i create a song i don't care if people like it or not you know that's just a fantastic bonus if they do but the most important thing is that i like it i i create music that i want to hear uh songs that i hear myself and and want to want to create and um so it's um I, yeah i think that's a healthy healthy attitude to to have and i i i work to not um let these uh, external things, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's the the best way to do things, and I guess that's kind of how we do with with the podcast. You know, me and Mateus were very true to ourselves. We we have these conversations and we put them out into the world and hope people will like them. Yeah, and and I think that's how you always get the best out of people. With like with your music, you're not making it to to please anybody else. It's it's for you. Yeah. And hopefully other people will enjoy it. And obviously they do. People want honesty. People want, <laughs> um, yeah, or, or honesty. That's something real, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. People have a radar for bullshit. And I yeah. think a lot of people can pick out, if you're making something just to try and please others, people have like a way of just sussing that out and being, yeah. and finding it disingenuous and don't quite relate to it and, and tie to it the way that they would with like more honest things like the music you guys do yeah like i think when um when i started doing solo concerts that's um that was uh um i I remember in the beginning it it was difficult also also in regards of um or when i did like talks or things like that um the first times i I planned too much um i you know you, you um, I think everything changed the, the second I, I just uh, remembered that, uh, you know, you're not uh, going out there as somebody else than yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not like I'm going to pretend to be someone else. Uh, so, yeah. so when I do that, I don't even have a plan before going on stage out of principle mm-hmm. because I don't, um, yeah, I, I want it to be honest. I don't want to... St- um to uh, 
yeah to to have it become uh, this mechanical uh thing so i i I, I know where I start and I know where I end, but everything in between, that's just, um, that, that has to just uh, come natural because every, every, I'm different every day. Uh, every audience is different, uh, every day. So, and, and that's a fact. So, uh, mm-hmm. if you want to be a good performer, you, you have to tune into those things. How is it today? How am I today? What works today? How how do you connect to the audience in, in that? Yeah, it's about being present, and you can't be present if you if you you're too um, if you already have planned the grid. Do you find a a big difference geographically where the audiences are? You know, is there a big difference between the audience, say in Norway, to that in Colorado? Is does that affect how? How things come across, how you might tackle it. I think or... there's a lot more dudes dressed like Floki out here. <laughs> yeah, maybe a few more. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say. And that's a quite a fantastic thing, also, to see how music kind of the or this music uh, moves beyond these. Um, these um, borders between languages or, or age or ethnicities um, uh, because we have them all uh, at our concerts. And, and from the very beginning, we saw that people reacted uh, often very um, strongly emotionally um, at, at certain points. And we could see the same things, whether or not it was in, in Norway or Netherlands or Brazil or in the States, it's, it's the same things that happens. And, and, um, um, and I guess, I don't know, I think there are many reasons for that, but, but also I think it's, it's about the fact that the stuff we are working with, even though the music has this Norse, uh, Nordic wrapping around it, uh, the, the the ideas behind the music, the thematics, even the the instruments and the tonalities are, if you go far enough back in time, they are so um, they are so uh, um, universal in a way, uh, and and timeless. Uh, they are so. I, I would say it's very logical in a way that uh, why why it relates to people um, in different parts of the world. Um, why why people? I guess that's a, one of the premises of animism uh, in itself. Also, you know, uh, any culture, any nature-based culture is uh, defined and shaped. Uh, by its surroundings, its resources, no matter where it um, arises. So th- that that means it's the same mechanisms, even though the shell can be different, and and you have local varieties. You know, um, the the uh, the the premises and the ideas behind it they are so similar. So I, I don't think it's odd at all that uh, a lot of people from totally different cultures can see the Norse culture as sort of a gateway to their own uh, pre-Christian traditions. I, I think it's very logical, mm-hmm. and natural. 
Yeah, no, I agree very much with that. And, you know, and that's also um, going back to what we, we were just talking about, like, you know, recognizing if something comes from a genuine place or it's you know, sort of more of an image that has been fashioned, right? Uh, people will recognize that regardless of, um, of, of of who they are, where they are, what, what kind of culture they belong to. Yeah. Um, and then they will, you know, if they're interested in in knowing more then they will go down that path yeah i i i get contacted by a lot of people with from different backgrounds um who who are like uh just so fascinated with how well i know my own background actually <laughs> that they they want to learn something they want to talk about something here um yeah and uh, and I think that's a that's a that's a beautiful awesome thing and it and it uh, is the spirit of uh, animism in and of itself. Uh, animism is yeah. relational. It's all about relations. Yeah. Everyone. I, I, but I, I think that this having having uh, secure um, knowing who you are and where you come from, I think uh, it's very beneficial. I, I often experience that people that come from other cultures that I meet also uh, other uh, belief systems or people who are very secure in um, who they are and where they come from what they believe in they often um, they often understand me better in a way mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that's uh, having that security makes it also easier to 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 meet other cultures with um, in a non-defensive way, um, yeah. which is um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's a very healthy thing actually to to know a bit about your roots and and feeling secure in them um, um, in the meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. With, with other cultures in, in uh, so in these days um, when when that's kind of one of the challenges in in lot of um, in a lot of parts of our our modern society uh, with with the, this meeting of different cultures I, I mm-hmm. think that's a one one of the best ways of handling it is is um, by by being secure in in who you are and what you come from, that's that makes absolutely. And that makes to, me to to meet other people with the same respect that you want. Absolutely, and that, and that that makes me wonder as to why maybe we have this this kind of thing at the minute where it's it's almost negative to learn other people's cultures, and it's the, the, this idea that there's something wrong to to enjoy another culture and 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 take parts of it and, 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 you know, and put it into your own life. It seems almost negative. And I wonder if that comes from this insecurity of not knowing your yeah, own but, history but, and being comfortable in yourself. Yeah, but it's kind of a paradox because, you know, the, like the, the Norse culture is so fragmented uh, and, and in bits and pieces, it's a jigsaw. So uh, in, in order to just puzzle it together you need to look to other cultures other similar cultures for mm-hmm. be it inspiration or or for for true knowledge uh, cultures that have preserved been preserved for a longer time etc um so I, I i find great value in um in looking other places and and doing comparative studies or um i mean it would be it would, it would... It, it would be completely 
uh, illogical not uh, to to look to um, you know our neighbors in Scandinavia, the Sami yeah. cultures, uh, uh, Finnish culture, Siberian, um, Siberia. <laughs> it's it's so there are so many striking similarities and um, and just the fact that that uh, the Norse culture as we know it is uh, is uh, the result of so many different cultures meeting uh, and merging throughout the course of time. Uh, yeah. Different migrations um, uh, from different time periods. So, it, it, the Norse culture in itself is, um, as we know it, is highly multicultural, uh, yeah. and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. So no, that, that's uh, a very strong fact, actually. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and and the, the, that's that's the way culture has evolved always, and that's how it's always going to evolve um so i don't see the big problem no right <laughs> we have time on our side you know we've we've been through this uh, a couple of million times <laughs> so, so at this point yes <laughs> we shouldn't be so afraid no I- absolutely no i mean there's so many wonderful different cultures out there and so much fun to be had learning them as well and kind of delving in and seeing how different areas have done different things and tackle different problems and the stories have been created from it it just seems silly not to want to look at that and and enjoy it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. should we should we wrap this one up are you we i think we've we've been going an hour and a half we've covered a few few different topics it's been it's been fun thank you very much for for spending the time and joining us pleasure absolutely wonderful um i mean if there's anything you want to plug i guess the game is is an obvious one the new album do do you know when that's coming out the album is uh coming out on on uh, uh, january 22nd Uh, so mark the date Um, perfect yeah that's it yeah definitely i mean i i'm going to assume that Pretty much everybody listening to this is already going to know where to find you, your music, your Instagram. I, I think that's pretty much a given. Yeah, yeah. no, no need to um, plug. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> oh yeah, hopefully not. Um, for, for obviously for us, if, if you've enjoyed this, you can, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a, a five star review or a positive sort of rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you hit the subscribe button. That means you can find the new episodes when they come out. Um, we also have our Patreon, which really helps us kind of upgrade our equipment and, and helps me and Mateus spend a little bit more time doing this. You also get a bunch of extra bonus fo- uh, footage on there. You'll get the video episode of this episode on there as well, which will be uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, Mateus, yeah. One, if you want to... I'll, I'll definitely um, share it once it's out wonderful Wonderful. yeah thank you very much Um, Mateus where can everybody find you well you can always find the Nordic Mythology channel on Facebook just write it in there and um, you can find me on Instagram under my name it's just Nordic and also check out my website uh, the Nordic Mythology channel dot com no wait 
not at mythologychannel.com without the <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so, yeah and so you can find me at either at horns of odin or at daniel underscore farand one on instagram and obviously the website is just horns of odin.com so yeah i mean yeah Anna, thank you very much and obviously all the best with with any future projects you have coming up likewise um i know that i've got a copy of assassin's creed on the way so i will let you know my thoughts once i've got yeah. into it yeah <laughs> yeah i i uh, i haven't uh, haven't had time to to try it myself either uh, yet but I, I i definitely will absolutely i mean one, one, i guess one last quick question is what's it like hearing yourself back on a game i guess or, or even when you're watching a tv show and you hear your your music is that bizarre to kind of take you away from the experience almost um uh, i don't know it, it, uh, first time it was a little bit strange and cool mm-hmm. uh in a way but you know in in vikings i i worked so much on each of the episodes so uh mm-hmm. watching it afterwards is is not an alternative anyway okay yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, i actually i'm actually voicing a character in in assassin's creed uh, valhalla a character called pragi Hmm. Uh, oh, cool. and I I presume that's going to be um, a bit awkward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you, so talking to yourself effectively. Yeah, I, I'm going to try and skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that will be uh, be a fun one. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you for joining us. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. You too. You too. Bye. 